you hear anything familiar? Don't tell nobody. Amen. I have the, I have the, I have the wonderful privilege of uh, introducing this morning uh, a special gift that God has sent us this morning. He is uh, one of my sons in the gospel. He is Apostle Atwal Mahoto all the way from South Africa. And he will be delivering the word of the Lord today. Stand on your feet and welcome him today. Come on, put your hands together. Father, we thank you again this morning for giving us the privilege of being in the house and come and lift your name in this place. Above all, to be empowered to know how to go about this weekend throughout this month. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. Thank you, God, for divine protection, just having allowed us to come into the house, protected us, oh God, from anything that could have happened to us. We know it's a plan and purpose, oh God, that we should be here this morning for this word that we're going to receive. Is going to help us, oh God, to go forward. We give you praise. We give you glory. Amen. We may be seated, please. Good morning. Tumelang. Bonjour. Sanbonani. Nimachoroni. Huyamore. Okay, if you can speak, you can't speak any of those languages, you're in trouble. Because you're a real American. It's, got to, it's always good to be in the house. I thank the Lord who has opened a door for, for, for me to visit the country again and be able to be in this house. It's always a blessing to meet with my parents spiritually, Lady Caroline and Bishop Flynn Johnson, who have really been so helpful to, to us to do the work that we've been doing for over the years. And I was just talking to my brother this morning who went to pick me up that it's been a blessing. I've I first met Bishop and came under their covering that was way back in 1995. And that's how long, how far I come. I'm one person who is, a, I'm a loyalist, I'm sorry. When I commit into something, I commit. I am not a person who changes, I'm not a disloyal son. I'm a committed person uh, because when I do something, I do it not to impress anybody. I do it because it helps me. And, and most people, when they do certain things, as when it comes to, um, maybe I should put it this way. I'm a real son. There are three groups of people that I normally say we have in the church. We have what I call consumers. We have what we call servants. We have what we call sons. Consumers are those who come to the house and they're just to receive, to receive, and get whatever they want, prayed for, and whatever. They would do anything because they are getting whatever once, but once they get under discipline, they're told, no, you can't do this here. They quit, they go and look for another church. They're only just like any person who goes to any store. When you're not satisfied with a service, you just say, I'm going to go to another store. I'm going to go to another um, uh, 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 shop and get my stuff done there. Then we've got the second group that I call servants or hirelings. They only do something because they get something back. 
As long as you give them positions, you give them certain things, they are staying, going to stay. The moment you say, I'm going to shift you from this angle to that area, they leave because they were just there because they need something, tit for tat. But we have what we call sons. Sons are there to serve. You chase them out and say, I don't want to see you. And when you open your door, they are sitting right next to the door. They are sons. And I think I'm one of those. And I believe that this is what God has called me. And through their ministry, I believe that God has helped us to achieve what we have achieved. So it's good to be in the house. Look at your neighbor and say, just smile a little bit because you look very scary when you are not smiling. Um, I was asking Bishop before we started, how long do I need to, to speak, you know? Those of you who probably have been under my ministry, you know, and uh, because I wanted to make sure that that African thing does not kick in. Because once it kicks in, you'd be in here for three, four hours. So I have to make sure that I'm an American. You know, I speak and I try to, to be. We thank God. I just came straight when I came to the U.S. I was in Gabon. My heart right now has moved, shifted. I'm more into church planting and I thank God for what I'm doing. I was in Gabon where it is, Gabon is, is somewhere in, in the um, um, uh, 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 Central Africa, uh, exactly where the equator is. And, and I was asking the Lord, why, Lord, do I need to be here? Why out of all other countries? I could have gone to Zimbabwe. I could have gone to Kenya. I could have gone to Mozambique. But why did you connect me to, to, to um, Gabon? Why do you want me to start the ministry there? By the way, we started the ministry, planted a church there. And this year, around April, I went there to go and see how the work is going. And this November, the whole of November was there just to make sure that the work is going on okay. And the Lord said to me, I put you there because I'm about to start something in the world and you are going to be one of the people who's going to lead the revival that is coming to hit the world. Because we are living in the days that we are, the days that we are living in, we are living in those days where revival has to spark in any time. And I'm looking into that and I said, God, but why, Gabon? And he said, look at the, the map of Africa. Look at the continent of Africa. Where Gabon is, when you turn actually that um, uh, uh, map of Africa you turn it, it looks like a gun and when you turn it looks just like a gun and Gabon is right at the place where you pull the trigger on and God said you are going to pull the trigger there it's going to come out of South Africa because South Africa is there that the barrel where the, uh, the bullet comes out and I believe that this is what God is doing these last days amen so please keep praying for us keep praying for us that God will help us to do more work um this morning, I did really, really was struggling and asking the Lord. I had a message, by the way, Bishop, that I had prepared. God is amazing. He just changed the message. And this morning, I'm just to talk about something very different. In Isaiah 60, verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. But I love the second verse. It says, Darkness will fill the whole earth. I don't know whether can we just put it up real quick. And this is the, the word that I believe God is saying. I'm still trying to lay my foundation, by the way. I may lay my foundation for the next one hour. And then we will be out of here. Amen. Isaiah 60, verse number 1. Uh, I'm trying to, to pull it up. By the way, if you do not know where Isaiah is, is in your Bibles. 
verse number one. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse number two says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But, you know the word but cancels everything that was said before? But, the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In the midst of what is happening, God is saying, but you, light will shine. He says, but the Lord will arise over you. Here I see this God talking to us as a church. That there will be a lot of things that will happen in the world. And we, are, we see what is happening around the world today. Things that are coming around and that are there. And what, If you could look and study very carefully, you realize that everything is against the church to crush the church. I have seen, probably you think it's only in the United States, but it happens all around the world, even in my country, whereby there, there are some ways and plans and every strategy that is made to make sure that they crush the church. But things will happen to try to bring the church to some kind of a crushing. But God says, I will, in the midst of that, the church will arise. In the midst of difficulties that will happen, the church will arise. And I believe that these are the times when God is making up, bringing up the church. Why has God has allowed that to happen to the church? Because for too long, the church has been a child. For too long, the church has not been doing what she's called to do. Remember that the Bible says the world, the earth is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. And I believe that the church has been all along a child. Here's a point. Isaiah says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. The government is never given to children, but is given to sons. The son, the child is born, but a son is given. In, when you read Galatians chapter 4, the Bible says, an heir, even if he is the owner of everything, but up until he comes to the point of becoming a son, he cannot inherit. He's treated just like everybody else. And I believe that a lot of things are happening to us so that we can grow and become sons and live being children and can take responsibilities and be able to command things and call things that are not as though they are. But we need to understand one thing. One of the areas that I know the enemy is after is what we just saw right now. Families. It's really after. Because families are the foundation of everything. Families. Without the families, we are not, we are not having a good community altogether. Listen to me. We can never have a powerful nation up until we start with the foundation. The very basic, which is the foundation, which is families. So the enemy will always make sure that he ends. If you look in the Bible, you realize that a lot of attack has been coming on, coming starting from families because the enemy is against what? Families. But today I want to give you a little bit of a help of how do you handle situation, negative situation, if you happen to be one of those members in the family that you have a negative situation that is happening in your environment. How do you handle that? And I'm going to share with you today. Are you ready for that word? This is your word. Look at your neighbor and say, this is not your word, it's my word. Okay. 
I want us today to look into a very familiar passage of scripture. All of us, we know it, probably we've even had, we've even sung about it, and we probably know it by heart, which is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. When you look into that psalm, it's got six verses. It's written by David. When David writes the psalm, he does not write it as a nice poem. He does not write it and says it so as to impress the people who are listening to him. But he says the psalm because it was his own experience. Oh. David writes this because he says, this is what I went through. When he looked at what God was over his life and looking how he takes care of his flock, he says, this is exactly what God has done to me. Now remember, giving you a little bit of a background of David will help you to understand why I'm talking about families right here. Are you ready for this? How many of you are ready? It looks like some people are already thinking of their chicken. David writes this psalm because he could relate to it with his own life. As a young man, he was born, let me give you a little bit, he was born to this family that never loved him. When you read about the history of David, David was actually loved, not loved even by his own father. His mother hid, I mean, one who didn't want to tell anybody about David. Here is how he was born. His father had seven sons, Jesse had seven sons. And after seven sons being born and they are grown-ups, all of a sudden, he realizes that I might be married to a wrong woman. And because Jesse was a Torah reader, well-respected, this was one of the people who was well-respected his life, and he didn't, want, he didn't want anything that would contaminate his culture, I mean, his, his purity. He was considered as this best young man, I mean, best man, reading the Torah and doing all that. So here he is, after seven years, as he looks into his history and looks at his descendants, realizes, my goodness, I might be born in a way that is not okay, and I might be married to a wrong woman. So he decides in his heart, I am going to put away my woman. And then he decides to put away this woman that he was married to. And of course, down the line, he looks for a lady that he can go around with. And one night it happens that as he was going into bed and then he has this lady that he has taken and he has put this lady that he is married to or that he has been married to for many years that he has given him seven sons and he's sleeping with this lady and then at night, that very night, as he comes into the house, I don't know how the women did this and they decided the one who is married, who's, who's now married to Dave, I mean to Jesse, decides to talk with the former wife. He says, I know that you love your husband. I know that your husband puts you away when you were still expecting or when you were still loving him and you wanted to spend more time with him. But tonight I don't have any problem. I can make sure that you are the one who sleeps with him. I don't know the whole thing of the Jewish people sweeping, swiping people. You remember Jacob and all that? Let's, I don't know how they, swap, they love swapping hair. Is it swapping or okay? One of, one of those. So, so he decides to swap and they said, no, you're, you're going to spend the time, night with him. And guess what? She sleeps with her husband, which is Jesse, and David and the lady get conceived. And David is born. Now, when David is born, Jesse doesn't know and he's told that this is your child. 
This woman has never slept with anybody, but who slept with you? That night when you thought that you were sleeping with this girlfriend, you had, no, no, it was actually your former husband, I mean your, your ex, your wife. So this child is now born. Now, because he does not want to be disgraced, remember he's well, this one respected person who is now considered the out of a very good Torah reader, respected in religion, and he does not want to destroy that. And he says, this has to be hidden. And he tells this woman, he says, never talk about this young man. So David is born, but nobody wants to talk about him. And then when he, they ask him, but your ex-wife has a baby. And he says, no, it's a illegitimate child. He's got this child out of a wedlock. So the wife, on the other hand, does not want to reveal the truth. So he covers this whole thing. So David grows up in that situation where he's not needed by his father. Neither is he needed by the mother trying to conceive the whole thing. And the brothers also looking at him, they say, you are not our father's child. So everybody rejects him. Family issues. Look at your neighbor and say, family issues. The few things that I just want us to look into as we go in. Now, now David, as a result, he writes some psalms. There are a few psalms that I just, I don't know whether you can put them up on the screen. Psalm 51, verse number 5. David says something that is really hurting, very powerful, very uh, 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 disturbing. He talks about himself because he hears his father every day talking about this. He hears the parents talking about this. So he decides this is how, the Bible says there was a time when David would say, even though my mother and father can reject me, but the Lord will find me. There was a time when his father would say, my sin is before me all my days. I don't know whether you were in the house. Are you in the house? Okay. So, so all the time he would talk about him because he heard his father all the time talking about him. Here is another reason. Do you know that David was the youngest, yet being the youngest, he was the one who was asked to go and look after the flock? Where were the older ones? Because his father, every time he looked at David, he remembered his sin. So he said, if I get him away out of my place, it's better because I will forget about him for some time. So whenever he saw him, he says, my sin is before me all my days. In fact, in Psalm 51, David says, my mother conceived me in sin. Because this was the language that was spoken. So he knew that it was a mistake. Are you there? I don't know. Am I talking? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Because he, was, this was the language of the... Now, you are in that situation where you are not loved by your father. You are neither loved by your brothers and sisters. You are rejected. You are born in this thing. And then you are a child in this child. Where, where do you be, what do you do in that situation? This is when David wrote a psalm. Because he couldn't relate to anybody. Even the people of the neighborhood were talking bad about him. So the only person that was able to help David was the Lord. So he, that's why he says, the Lord is my shepherd who's the one who is always with me. Let me tell you even more further to show that his father wanted him dead. His father actually never wanted him. There was one time when his father wanted him to go and he wanted him dead and he sent him to some area where he knew that there were some birds. 
And he says, go and look for the shepherd. Take your, your, this flock to that area. And he takes them to that area. And when he was in that area, the Bible says a bear comes out. Comes out attacking. All of a sudden with, own, with his own hands, the Bible says he took the bear, he tore it a piece. And when he tore it a piece, he died and then he came back home. He never told his brothers. He never told his father. Are you listening to me? No, he never told anybody. Do you know how they found out? They found out the day he was going to fight Goliath. That's the only time that they heard that this guy has been doing this. Thing because he never, he, the next day, the father sees this young man coming back. In fact, on the day that he had sent him to go and be killed by these bears, he sees him in the afternoon coming back, walking in. And he says, I wanted him dead, but he's still alive. Why is he still alive? Why is he here? Oh, no, no, maybe I sent him to wrong places. And the Bible says he decided to send him to another place where there were lions. When he sent him to areas where there were lions, because he wanted him dead. Because every time he saw him, he saw his sin. So he sent him to places where there were lions. And then David, a lion comes and he attacks one of his lamp and he takes the lion, tears it a piece. He never tells his father, he never tells his brothers. Are you still with me? David was never loved by those whom he was close to. David was lost, not loved by the people who brought him to the world. David was never cared. But here is one thing. In that situation, I know most of us would have said, why do I have to leave? Why don't I just go? But the Bible says David found comfort in the Lord. That's why he says the Lord is my shepherd. Because a shepherd becomes one with his flock. The shepherd sleeps where the flock is. He smells the flock and the flock smells him. So David was all the time around his flock. That's why he ended up, he says, I have learned one thing. In this situation, to survive in this situation, there's one thing that I need. I need to make the Lord my shepherd. I am here to tell you, my brother, maybe you find yourself being one of those who's rejected, the one who's never loved, the one who's always blamed for everything, the one who's all the time people point fingers at you, and because this is the work of the enemy, he wants to destroy you, but I'm saying to you, find comfort in the Lord. Make the Lord your shepherd because he is the one who can make you rise in the situation it doesn't matter what happens the Lord will always be on your side I remember a story in the book of Judges chapter number 11 and talks about this young man verse number one talks about Japheth the Bible says Japheth was a man who was born to his father and but unfortunately his mother was a prostitute and the Bible says his children his siblings his brother the brothers let's just read that story goodness I've got so many things that I want to say but I want to make my application at the same time the Lord help me look at your neighbor and say the Lord will help him okay judges chapter number 11 verse number 1 now Japheth the Galilite was a mighty man of valor but he was the son of a harlot and Gilead begat Japheth. Gilead, wife, bore sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Japheth out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. You know, people would always accuse you for something that you don't have power over. Japheth did not choose whose mother, whose, who, who was going to be his mother. 
but he was born to this person. And the Bible says, the sons of the wife to Gilead, they chased him out because they said, you are not our mother's child. They chased him out to go out. If you read the story, this was a man of valor. This was a man, mighty man of valor. But yet, he was chased out by his own brothers. I believe that even before that time, he was not even aware who he was. I am trying to say to you today, when you read further about the story, about this is family again, whereby he was persecuted by the very people in the house. Very people whom he was born together in the family with. Who killed Abel. The first murder that we record in the Bible was happened in the family. Family issues are always there. They, and why? Because the enemy is after the family. He will make sure that he brings in enmity between people, brothers, siblings. Making sure that they don't grow because he knows once you can know and become one, you can be mighty in the hands of God. So the Bible says this man was a mighty man of valor. Who could have won battles for this? But he was not aware. But there's one thing that I also noticed that God allowed this to happen for Japheth. You know why? Japheth did not know that he was a mighty man of valor. But it was not only after he was chased out of the house that he went to another place. The Bible says when you read further, it says he found worthless men, useless men, and he trained them and made a mighty army that later on won battles. He never realized that he had that ability of training these men and making them this powerful army which won so many battles. The Bible says he won so many battles that when his brothers now, them whom they chased, those who chased him out, when they heard what he had done, when they heard some attack, they went to him and asked him to come and help them. Here's something that I want to say. There are certain situations that God will allow to come your way, not to, because he wants to destroy you, but he wants you to bring the best out of you. Listen to me. Without any squeezing, you never get a lemonade. There are some things that God will allow for you to come in your life so that the best out of you can come out. You can realize the ability that you have. When you start to be more closer to God, you'll never think of running to other things for your solution, but you look deep inside of you, then you'll realize what you have. Because there's one thing that I know, the Bible says God never allows anything to happen to you unless he has agreed. The Bible says, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. All things those who are called according to his purpose. If you are called according to his purpose, anything that happens to you, it happens so that the best can come out of you and be able to be that God which wants he wants you to be. He squeezes you so that the best can come out of you. Listen to me. Anytime you run away from problems, you are running away from your promotion. Anytime you are running away from problems, you are running away from your elevation. Because you can never go to the next level until you are prepared to get into that level. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will never need anything. The word want that simply means I will, all the necessities of life. I am not going to run after them, but they will run after me. Listen to me. When the Lord is your shepherd, you are not afraid of anything because he becomes your friend. No matter what situation you find yourself in, God is able to make you to stand. Am I talking to the right people here? So my brother, my sister, even if you feel rejected, God has not rejected you. God is always on your side. Listen to me, he's more closer to you than you think you are. All that you need to do, you come more closer to him. Is it not amazing that God 
I mean, uh, uh, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, in John 10, I'm a good shepherd. Jesus says what? I'm a good shepherd. And he says, I take care of my sheep. And the sheep know my voice. And I know their voice. Jesus is saying to you and I, if we can come closer to him, he is our shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse number 10, he says, A thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that my sheep may have life and have it more abundantly. In Greek, it's very powerful. The sheep, we know that the thief, who come, the Bible talks about here, talks about the devil, who will come and steal and kill and destroy what that which God has put inside of you. But he says, when that happens, when the thief, when the enemy comes up, oh, I love it in Greek. He says, when the thief comes up, which is the devil, shows up, I also show up the same time when the enemy shows up I also show up but when I show up when the enemy comes with the negative issues I come with the positive issues that's why I'm saying whatever situation you find yourself in right now whatever mountain that you're facing let me tell you if you look around there's an answer for you it's just very close to you just need to turn your eyes and focus on God most of us God allows these certain things to happen to us so that we can come closer to him and understand who he is Are you still in the house? When I flew into Gabon, the first Sunday, landed there. Early in the morning, I get a call from my wife. And she has made a video call. I'm looking at her. I said, you don't look okay. What's going on? And I'm looking at her, all face twisted. And everything is gloomy. And she says, I think, she doesn't even talk well. She says, I think I had stroke. Early in the morning. And I'm saying, no, no, I'm turning around. I'm coming back right now. I'm coming back. I, I definitely have to, I can't just leave you there. And she says to me, please don't. With all the twists in my head, please don't. I know that God is about to do something in Gabon. And I know that whenever there is an answer for me and there's an answer for you. This is a sign that the enemy wants to not to do what you need to do there. Please go and preach that word. God will take care of me. And I said, dear, but this is difficult. I said, okay. Went and preached the word that very Sunday. This is last month, by the way. Preaching that word, but my heart is... My mind is really thinking about her. But at the same time, I'm thinking of the words that she said. She said, an answer is there for me. And it's an answer for me. There's an answer for me. Preach the word. And late in the afternoon, rush to the phone again. Pick up a phone. I'm calling her. And as I'm calling her, she's busy in her house. She's busy cleaning her house. She's completely healed. That very same time. You know, you see... I don't know how you do it here, but I believe one thing, that when God speaks, you better act. I believe one thing, when God says something, you better act. When God said to me, preach that word, I started preaching that word. And let me tell you, my wife, God took care of my wife's situation at home, and she got healed. And I'm telling you, right now, what is happening in Gabon, it's amazing. Because we made such an impact. Now, 
to God be the glory. We made such an impact. If I never went there, if I listened to what the enemy did, I wouldn't have done what I'm... Listen to me. I believe that God is doing certain things to us so that we can know the abilities and the strength that we have inside of us. He puts us in situations that are able to bring the best out of us. Are you still in the house? So the Lord is my shepherd. Look at your neighbor and say, who is your shepherd? Don't answer me. I'm saying, ask the person next to you. Say, who is your shepherd? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. The Lord will make me to lie down in green pastures. I looked at this, what he says. The idea is that of calmness and repose. When the Lord is next to you, you become very calm. There may be storms that are going on around you, but inside of you, you've got that peace that passes men's understanding. Yet the enemy may try to attack your body, but inside you've got that peace that surpasses everything. And that's what makes the difference, that's what makes us to be different from the world. Because when the world sees everything that is going on around, they get scared. Let me tell you this, when you're scared, your immune system is compromised. The enemy works through fear. If he can instill fear in you, he's done with you. But if you can look inside of you, if the Lord is your shepherd, when storms rage around you, you look inside who is in your heart. Let me tell you this. No matter what happens, you will say, but the Lord is my shepherd. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You better make sure that you renew your strength. You are in the Lord. Not those who are outside, but those who are in the Lord. I am talking, am I talking to the right people here? So he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He makes us to be calm in situations that may not be calm. I've got so much to say. You know, when you have found that place, you are satisfied with everything. You are not going to... Now, Paul, <laughs> Paul, because he had taken Jesus as his shepherd, he was calm. He was always calm. This is one person who was the most educated person at the, at his time, during his time. He, was, he had gone to Gamalia. He was a Jew of the Jews. He was a well-known person. He was a member of St. Henry a Council, which is the highest council. He was once all that. And he says, but when I look, when he talks in the book of Philippians, he says, when I look at all these achievements that I got on the earth and compare them to the knowledge of Christ, I count them as down because I know there is nothing that surpasses the peace that I found in Christ. I'm telling you, my brother, if you are here, let me tell you, nothing else that will make you peaceful, that will give you joy, that will give you satisfaction than the Lord himself being the center of your life, that in the midst of situation, he will be able to pull you out and be able to make you to be a successful, great person. There's one thing that I know, that you were never created to die under pressure, but you were created to arise out of pressure because pressure is supposed to bring the best out of you. He restores my soul. The word restore simply means to cause to return to life. It means to quicken. It means to cause to live again. You see, when you are not in the Lord, when you're not, the Lord is not your shepherd, you are like a dead person. You're dead inside of you. There's no connection. When you pray, it's like your prayer just hit the ceiling, comes back. But when you are connected to him, you know that your prayer goes through. So, so when, when the Lord restores your soul, he brings back that which, he, 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 he brings back that which you were born for. 
He, he rejuvenates you. He, he quickens the inner being of you. You start to realize why were you born. You start to understand why were you born and you were born at the time that you are born in, in the situation that you are born in, in that family that rejects you. God wants to bring the best out of you. In fact, out of you, when you look at the life of Joseph himself, Joseph was rejected by everybody. But let me tell you, he became the salvation of the very family that rejected him. Sometimes the very people that you have to save have to crucify you first because if they don't crucify you first, they will never get their salvation. And it's not easy to be crucified. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, is this your word? No matter what people do to you, no matter what your parents are doing to you, your siblings are doing to you, maybe even your colleagues for that matter, maybe your neighbors, whatever they're doing, let me tell you the smile inside of you because God is bringing the giant out of you. He leads me. In the path of righteousness. I'm, I'm just rushing over this. He is, leads me in the, right, the ways of past. In other words, he, 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 he is making me to live a pure life. Not for me, but for his namesake. You see, when you live holy, it's because God, it has got nothing to do with me. The righteousness that God brings into my life has got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the Lord. It's for his own sake. Hallelujah. Everything was created for his glory and honor. Though I walk through the shadow. Though I walk. Where? Through the valley of the shadow of death. I shall fear no evil. No, I walk through this situation that is kind of pressing me. But I'm not going to die. Bah. Paul says we are pressed from every angle but we are never crushed. Listen to me. When things happen to you, it's not because God has forgiven, uh, forgotten about you. But God is on your side. Look at your neighbor and say, God is just right next to you. You are never alone. So, the, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the shadow is not the real thing. Shadow is like something, but it's not something. Oh, that's how the enemy works. Always he wants to imitate he will always want to bring something similar to it, but being not being it. You know, he says in the book of, that's why the book of Peter says, he roars like a lion, but he's not a lion. There's only one lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus Christ. So he will roar like a lion just to try to scare you, because when you are afraid, fear is spelled F-E-A-R, which means false evidence appearing real. They appear like they're real, but they're not there. They're not there. Let me tell you this. Uh, you're not going, it's a shadow. It's not the real. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever you're going through right now, it's a shadow. It's not the real thing. Because God knows about your situation. I remember, oh, I'm going to say some controversial statements here. I remember when COVID hit. God showed me COVID before it happened. Uh, Timmy was there. He knows. God showed me on our crossover service. It was on the 31st. Coming to the first of 2020, God showed me and he said, There's going to be the this is going to be one of the toughest years. And not only in my church, not only in our country, but the whole world. And everything will come stand still. And economically, everything. I give that word. God just gave me that word. And I shared that word. And after that, the Lord, I mean, when, when COVID hit in March, everybody was, it was like ghost towns. I mean, you walk everywhere, it was just like. At that very time, God said, You need to start online teaching. More than anything, deal with people's faith. Boost people's faith. Make sure that you address that issue. Deal with the negativity that is out there. And I said to them, nobody 
under the sound of my voice that I will ever bury from this house because of COVID. I said, no one. I said that. Did I say that to you? Oh, by the way, Tim was in our church when he was in South Africa. If you see him having some better moves, it's because we taught him. <laughs> when he got there, he had two left feet, but now he's got left and right, so he's okay. He's fine. He's okay. He's fine. So, so I shared this word and I said, nobody under the sound of my voice that I will ever bury because of COVID. And I never buried anybody. I never buried anybody. I spoke that word because I said the enemy is here just to bring fear in people. And one of the things that I said, I said, stop watching the media because it's so negative. It's going to bring fear and all the time they will tell you about this deaths. So many people are dying. And I said, if you happen to watch, the, maybe your job wants you to watch the news. Please watch the positive. Just look at the recoveries and say, if I get this thing, I'll be among the recoveries. And I'm not going to be the one who dies. The enemy works through fear. Somebody in here, I'm talking to somebody right now. They told you, they gave you this report. I loved what Lady Caroline did this morning. The enemy gave you this report and you said, you are so sick, this kind of disease, you are not going to make it. Let me tell you this, the devil is a liar. My, enemy, my, my, my wife, uh, Bishop and Lady Caroline, my wife was diagnosed with cancer some years back. And we're here in the US. And we're flying back, we had to go, go home. And they said, she may not make it home. You better make sure that she gets surgery while she was here because we even have better medication. I said, no, we are going to go home. She said, we are going to fly home. We flew, we went home, and we got home. They had to put her under whatever, the chemo, the, the radiation and whatever. I remember this other Sunday. I, it was after her first or second chemo because she said, this thing is so, it's so, it makes you even more sick than this disease itself. And she was praying. It was on a Sunday when I came back from church because she couldn't go to, 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 to church because she was so weak and, and all that. And when I came back, she says, I'm not going for chemo. It was on the following day, on Sunday, on a Monday, she said, I'm not going for chemo. And I said, why? She said, the Lord appeared to me and he gave me a word that is in the book of Psalms. I never knew that that word is there. And that word was, that word was, you shall not, I shall not, you shall not die, but you shall live. She held on to that word. Because this is the word of the Lord. And she held on and said, I'm no more going to go for surgery. I'm not going for chemo. And she stopped going for chemo. I remember begging her, you know, sometimes we preachers. We preach the word that later on we doubt the very word. Here I am, I've been saying, God heals. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Now she comes to me, she says, God has healed me. I said, but baby, can you just go? <laughs> yeah. She says, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to compromise. I had a lady in our church who's a, a doctor. So I said, doctor, can you please just talk to her? She tried to talk to her. She said, no, I'm not going. And she waited. She said, give me a month. I will go. My, my, this doctor said, okay, at least then you need to go. We cannot force anything over you if you don't want it. But at least give her some time to go and do some checkups. She said, okay, give me a month so I can recuperate. And after a month, I'm going to go for my checkup. 
And after a month, was it a month or two months, I've forgotten, she went and when they checked her, they couldn't trace even one cancer cell in her body. She's been free of cancer 19 years. I'm talking to you. They said you'll never survive. They said you'll never see another year. No, 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 no. No. The report is not right. The report of the Lord says you'll make it because the enemy wants you to focus on your sickness, focus on whatever, but God has got something better for you. He wants you to live. You'll never die until you fulfill your purpose on earth. It is not over until the one who calls you. I, I don't know. I have to close. There's one part that I want to come down to <laughs> that I want to close with. Is that my second closing? The rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are other times when God allows, the rod is used to chase the enemy away and also to, to make sure that the enemy is away. And the staff is used to bring the enemy and to bring the lamb closer because it's got some kind of a hook at the end. And when he says the rod and my staff, they comfort me. God uses that for your behalf. There are times when God will allow certain things to happen. Oh, Hebrews, the Bible says, if you are not disciplined, you are illegitimate child. God disciplines whom he loves. When he has certain things that are happening to you because God loves you so much that he wants to bring you back. He allows those things so that he can bring you back. So he brings you back by his staff. The staff is used when the, a lamb falls into a ditch. You are able to hook it and bring it up and say, I want you to be closer to me. There are certain things that God will allow, situations that God will allow to happen to us so that we can seek him better. We can ask him better. The situation that I had to go through that God was bringing me close. And it's only after a certain time that I start to say, God, thank you for that. But when it happens, it's like God doesn't love you. He pre now, this is a closing, the last closing, really. He prepares a table. He prepares a table. He prepares a table. He now, that scripture doesn't say, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. No, no, it doesn't say that. Look at that scripture. It says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Because when he prepares a table in the presence of my enemy, it looks like the enemy is still going to participate with me on the table. But when he prepares a table for me in the presence, they will watch me as I eat. There are certain things, there's one thing God will make sure. That's why I always say to people, never pray for your enemies to die, but always pray for your enemies to live so that they can see when God elevates you. David can say this because that's exactly what happened. Remember, he was rejected, never loved by anybody. His own brothers didn't like him. His own father didn't like him. God visit Samuel one day says go to the house of Jesse go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse to become king and he goes there and he gets there he's got and he's oil and then Jesse tells I mean Samuel tells Jesse says prepare your sons consecrate them because on a certain day I'm bringing I'm coming to anoint one of your sons and I believe that on that day they had the best suit my goodness I don't know what type of, of, of perfumes they had 
they had the best perfume in town because one of them was going to be anointed king. So everyone, they had their hair cut. Everything was ready. Someone comes into the house on that day. So they're lined up. They're ready to come in so that one of them is anointed king. And Eliab, the firstborn, comes up and comes through. As he comes through, someone is convinced, looking at his stature, looking at this guy, says, wow, here comes in the anointed of the Lord. Look, God looks at him and he says, he's not the one. I love what God says. He says, because I've already rejected him. That's a teaching right there. He doesn't say, I will. He says, I've already rejected How did God reject him when he had never been in the presence? God saw the heart. I'm going to talk about this some other time. But he says, I've already rejected him. The second one comes in. Also the same story. The third one comes Until they all pass before Samuel. And after passing before someone, someone now is past that doesn't know what to say. He looks at Jesse and says, Jesse, are these all your sons? Jesse is then that he reminds, oops, I forgot. There's one who's still in the wilderness. Now, he's the very one who he, want, he didn't want anybody to see. This time God is bringing him up. There's one thing, there's one thing. When is the time for your, for your revelation? Nobody can press you down. Nobody can press you down. Nobody can keep you where you are. God will always bring you. People can try to bring you down, but God will make sure that you arise at the right time. So God, I mean, someone says, where is he? He's, they say, he's in the wilderness. He's looking after the flock. He says, go and call for him. And he says some powerful statement. He says, we are not going to sit down until he arrives. Oh, I love this. I don't know what, oh, what kind of, they said they were standing out. Remember, they're standing in line. I don't know whether they had a guard of honor or whatever, but they had to stand there. I don't know how long it took the person who was going to face David. If it was days, they had to stand up on their feet and their knees are trembling and they don't know what to do. They're hungry, but they cannot move because the servant of God says, we are not going to sit down until he comes in. So they bring David. Before David comes into the sanctuary, the perfume of the sheep comes in first. <laughs> Listen to me because remember he's a shepherd. He rubs shoulders with shepherds. So he smells sheep everywhere. The hair is rude, it's not combed. And he's still a little boy. He comes in, the smell comes in first. Oh my goodness, I don't know what the brothers, they, how, I don't know their attitude or whatever, their posture. I'm sure they're standing there and he's like... They're trying to close their nose because they can't move because the boy is coming in. Oh my goodness. He smells sheep. Look at your neighbor and say you may smell sheep. But God, when it's a time for you to be raised, you are going to be raised. So he comes in and when he comes through the door, God says to someone, that's the one. That's the one. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the one. Or look at your neighbor and say, you are the one. Listen to me. It's not about what people say. It's about what he says. It doesn't matter what people are saying about But if you are the one, oh, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. He comes in. And when he comes in, he sees all his enemies who never liked him. His brothers, his father in front. He sees everybody. He comes in. And God says, come. someone says, come in, boy. Come in, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Come in, brother. Come in, come in. He comes in. When he comes in, he pours the oil on the top of this whole thing and the place, the place is filled with atmosphere of anointing listen to me I am saying to you today God will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies when David says he prepares, he prepared it he was anointed before them, they couldn't participate of the oil, they just had to watch him, 
he became their king. Whatever is happening in your family right now, God is raising you up. God is preparing you for the next generation. You are going to be the salvation of people around you. You are going to be the salvation of the people whom that they hate. People who have done some certain things. When all that you have to do is rub shoulders with God. Make the Lord your shepherd because he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be there at all times. He said, I am with you until to the end. I am saying to you today, don't give up, but give in to the Lord because he is your shepherd. You are going to make it in this very life. May God bless you. Thank you.